this is the municipal. Have you been paying attention to like city stuff? Don't vote, can't bitch. Sorry to uh, <laughs> to point that finger at you. My answer was that would be yes and no. My tummy hurts, and I'm mad at the government. You're saying council wouldn't approve it, and two, you're robbing them of their their voice. It's it's he's already he's already failed to vote. Welcome to the Municipals. I'm Matthew. And I'm Philip. And we are so blessed, so very honoured to be joined by columnist Nick Kosovin for this week's episode. Welcome, Nick. Thank you for having me back. Appreciate it. Had a just, good time the last time. Just uh, um, because there's probably a new batch of listeners, why don't you tell them about your column and about uh, anything you want to say before we get started? Um. So actually, there's some good news here that came up. So I write two columns uh, and then do a lot of freelance work uh, too on the side. Uh, so one column is about the art of finding work, which just got picked up two weeks ago by Metroland. Congratulations. Um, yeah, thank you. Uh, so the first one went out this week. I also got picked up the same day within hours. It's weird how the world works. Uh, by Saltwire Network, which is out in the Atlantic. So they own, you know, the Herald and St. John's Herald, so forth, all the papers in the Atlantic region. So it's taken off quite large, uh, but I'm still with the other news media outlets uh, that I was before. I also do another column for uh, a few local newspapers here in Toronto and so forth, digitized coffee uh, with Nick. And then... I do a lot of freelance work too on political opinions, things of that nature, um, you know, and so forth. Actually, just published today, but this a little side note uh, thing about the new alcohol consumption guidelines versus, and people are freaking out versus the COVID uh, vaccine, like that. So it's funny how the hypocrisy there of between the two. My God, I'll, you know, get myself, you know, vaccinated, which is fine. No, no issues there. But take that alcohol away from me. You know, tell me I only can have two drinks a week or whatever. And I'm going to freak out. But I mean, it's not even like they're not legally stopping you from drinking. No, they're not. Whatever. Exactly. <laughs> it's just a suggestion. It's just a suggestion. <laughs> exactly. And they're just freaking out on it. Uh, so I wrote a column, which I was surprised got picked up because there's a lot of questioning in the media, how they spin things. Uh, so they spun this recommendation to make it like a health crisis. Anyway, but I digress like that. So forth. So um, I'd love to know, I mean, because the last time we really talked about the election, we did an episode together, uh, Philip, I don't know if you had a chance to listen to it, but I, I nicknamed it the million dollar question because in the episode, see, I, I hadn't named it yet, but then in the episode, Nick was just saying, you know, here's yeah. the million dollar question. So I'm like, boom, there's the, there's the name of the episode. Um, but we did it very early on in the election. It was even before you registered, Philip. Um, oh wow! Yeah, so I, I'm I'm interested. You know, we'll go through because we 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 fantasy booked. Uh, you remember I was telling you how, how uh, you know in wrestling uh, the the term fantasy book comes from wrestling. So we fantasy booked the uh, the um, Toronto City Council. 
Um, mm-hmm. We'll go. We'll yeah. go through that. But I, yeah. I'm interested. Before we do that, I'm interested to know your your, I guess your 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 overview. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Your overview of the election and and um, I, I'd love to hear anything you have to say. So I wrote um, an article right after the election, uh, which I'm sure you read, uh, about the overview, basically, of really, it comes down to one thing, you know, only 39% of the voters came out, of eligible voters came out, and John Tory won by a majority. I was voting, uh, hoping for Jill, but, you know, he made a lot of goofs, which I mentioned in my article, uh, and turned a lot of people off. And when I look at it personally, when you see a low voter turnout, you know the incumbent, John Tory, is, in this case, is going to win. You're basically not pissed off enough at the person, in this case, John Tory or Doug Ford, if we want to go back into June and there was a low voter turnout. turnout. So there wasn't, you know, an anger really against John Tory enough for people to go out and vote him out of office. So I always look, this has always been my look, if you don't vote, then you're fine with the person in office coming back to office. And that Nick, applies to... Nick, sorry, doesn't, doesn't that, th- that concept that you just said, doesn't that just blow your mind? Not, enough, pe- not enough people are pissed off? Exactly, it does. Uh, but you learn real quick that the most of the noise you hear against John Tory is on social media. And social media doesn't speak for everybody. If you look at, let's say, Twitter, for example, how many Canadians are really on Twitter? 20, 25% regular? So the noise you're well, Probably way even less than that. Probably less than that, exactly. So at the end of the day, the noise you're hearing is not really the person in the street, the, the man in the street or woman in the street, I should say. Um, and it becomes down to this. If you don't vote, you're obviously happy with who's in office. That's my my opinion. So yeah, there's a lot of negative noise, but it's really very limited to social media, more or less. Anyway, I agree. Uh, we have quite a few uh, uh, Twitter campaigns going on during the election. Mm-hmm. Um, let's let's go through our our picks because I went back. I listened to the episode. Yeah. It was a great episode, by mm-hmm. the way, for anyone who's listening. This time in history, uh, I don't know what the episode number is, but it's called The Million Dollar Question. Um, so we'll, we'll just go through it quick. Uh, and uh, Phil, if you want to jump in, just let me know. Uh, no, I think no, I'm just curious you? to... Oh, sorry, Nick. No, go ahead, Phil. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I'm excited to hear like uh, who you were rooting for, Nick, and you know, who won of the people you were rooting for. Okay. And um, also versus this list that we're kind of like working through, are these yeah. people you wanted or are these people you thought were going to win? And uh, I assume it, you get what I'm it, saying. It, it might be a mixture of both. Yeah. So a lot of it is what I hope to win, but a lot also half and half and who I saw was going to win. But Matthew, just, or Matt, sorry, correct me. Did we have a bet on this too, by the way? No, we didn't. We didn't. We, we didn't, didn't have a bet. On this? Oh, which okay. is which is good for you because it it looks like I probably <laughs> okay, won. it looks like it looks okay. like I probably won. Okay. Uh, okay, so for Ward one, um, even though I I don't didn't want him to win, I did say wait. To- okay, before we continue, sorry, Nick, I have to apologize. <laughs> I know you must have been rooting for me, and I'm so sorry I came in eighth of eighth. 
I I must have let you down. <laughs> You're not the only one who let me down. Believe me. <laughs> Believe me. Yeah. So for right. for Ward One, um, I chose Vincent Crisanti. Yep. Uh, Nick chose Dev Narang, which is funny because I wanted Dev to win too, but but uh, he he obviously didn't. Yeah. Um, at the time when we did this episode in Ward Two. Uh, your boy, Stephen Holiday was the only one who was registered, Phil. So we had no choice but pick him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, for Ward 3, I chose Mark Grimes and uh, Nick chose Amber Morley. So yeah. you, you won there. Yeah. Um, Which proves you can beat an incumbent. Yes. She proved it. Um, anyway, but I'm glad to see that. That was a really good win. Yeah, you know, shuts up those people who oh the incumbents always win they always win right well, not really you have to work <laughs> amber, at it. amber she, was a good wrench and she worked at it hard this ain't her first uh, rodeo so yeah well actually let let me pause on that for a second because there's a question i want to ask i don't know if i asked it last uh right. last episode do you believe that in order to run the first time you have you're running you're gonna lose and that's that's integral to eventually win the next time Depends. No, I would say no. Depends who you are. So Philip would know this. I think we've had words around this. My apologies, Philip. But uh, you have to be known in the community. So I'll give you a high level example. If Drake was to run for mayor, no political experience and whatever, he'd win. Right. Or the weekend or whatever. Right. So if you're well known and you're sort of a celebrity status or whatever, you know what? You could win the first time out, definitely, uh, like that. But in general, in general, yeah, you're going out the first time, getting your name out there, and then, of course, expect to lose. Keep your expectations realistic and keep your name out there between elections like that. So if you look at people like Amber and whatever, uh, a lot of these people, you know, they ran in, you know, maybe as a school trustee or whatever, got endorsements and whatever. Um, but yeah, I expect, I think it's realistic. But if you're a celebrity to a level, you know, why not? Margaret Atwood, if you know who she is, I'm sure you do. Yeah, she could win easily. Like, right? you know, it's who you are. Really. I keep forgetting she's a Torontonian. Yeah, exactly. Lives in the annex. I used to live uh, very close to her when I lived at Spadina and DuPont uh, and stuff and whatever, you know, it's, yeah, you know, Ronald Reagan won. Look at that. Okay. <laughs> there you go. All right. You know, so- Nick, I will say none of the stuff that you ever said about the, the realistic chance of me winning ever offended me because it was, but- it was, it was true. You know, it was like, I, I knew that. I mean, yeah. everything but, you said is true. And now, what I just said, Phil, this is credit to you. You're keeping your name out there with this podcast. You see what you're doing? So if you do run in 2026, at least your name is out there and you've kept it out there with the podcast. You right. Know, you're, you're, you're not just, most of the people who ran and lost, we're not going to hear from them. They just sort of ever. disappeared. Yeah, they disappeared. And you didn't do that. And I give you kudos for that. That's well, enough. You. Okay, enough sucking up the film. <laughs> I'll, I'll take say, it. Listen, I'll, I, I I take it. I'll just say that when he runs, he won't be alone. 
I've made yeah. I, I've made the decision that it's going to be this yeah. this it's going to be 2026 for me. I just don't know where. Um. So Ward Four, I said uh, Siri Agrell and Nick picked Gord Perks, and he wins there. Yeah. But Siri, I mean, I feel like wait, no, sorry, it was Chemi. I want to give a a shout out to because Siri had the the Tory endorsement. So, I mean, there was the boost there. And of course, Gord was the incumbent, so he had that advantage. And Chemi still gave it a solid second without those mm-hmm. advantages. So, I think, I'm just giving I think her we, a shout out there. I think we did this before uh, Chemi registered. Um, because oh, okay. Yeah. For, for Ward 5, I picked Nunziata because, like, why wouldn't you, right? She's going to win. She's what 35 years in and uh nick picked not uh, not noon ziata because yeah. i don't think there was a, a clear pick so i wrote yeah. not noon ziata yeah um same with ward six pasternak i think was the most obvious choice mm-hmm. but nick chose not pasternak i think oh. uh just because, you know, it's time for a change in that ward. And actually, uh, Nick, since we spoke, you know, uh, Ward 6 was actually the uh, ward that had the youngest candidate in the whole game running, uh, 19-year-old Hope Shire. That's right. Yeah, the 19-year-old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I was with her from, from the pretty much the day she registered just because she will inspire young people because I think that's the, the group of people that's missing from yeah. voting is it's the young people. Cause they don't care. Right. Exactly. Um, for ward seven, uh, we both picked Mamaliti and we were wrong. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah. For ward eight, we both picked Mike Cole. We were yeah. right. Um, we both picked for ward nine, uh, Shaker Jamal. Right. But that was before Alejandro Bravo um, registered. So. Right. And she was backed big time by Jill. So I, I didn't know that. I mean, she was she was a previous um, NDP candidate, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, federal, I believe. So, like, obviously she would have that, that boosting her, too. Oh. Also, I just, I think she was a good candidate as well. So, like, like a good, I think a good get. Yeah. And then for Ward 10, I chose uh, Rocco. And Nick chose uh, Adrian Andre Zodian. I'm sorry, I can't pronounce his name. Yeah. Uh, for Ward 11, it was empty when we did this, so we didn't pick anybody. Uh, Ward 12, uh, Matt Lowe was the only one there. So mm-hmm. for Ward 13, we both picked Chris Moise. Yeah. Um, you know, sorry, I just. I did want to have a quick pause to ask uh, Nick, do you have any thoughts of uh, Josh's current, I want to say his like role as like a adversary to John Tory on council. Do you like, are you paying attention to any of that? Yeah. Um, So I see him on Twitter and all that and whatever, blah, blah, blah. I think he's doing a disservice to his writing or his whatever ward, I should say. Um, you gotta, especially now with the veto powers, you gotta get on John Tory's good side. You know, it's gonna be a give and take uh, type of thing. Playing the rebel or whatever he's trying to do or going rogue, yeah, that's not a good, no, nah, it's not gonna work. 
like that, I think, personally. We'll see what happens, but yeah. Obviously, he's gunning Philip for the mayor job. You think so? I yeah. mean, I would be, I'm not uninterested in that. I think that'd be very interesting. I just, yeah. uh, well, you know, I think you're correct in what you're saying yeah. in that I, I didn't even think about it. I think you're, you're thinking about it correctly in that it's like a constituent kind of, yeah, he is, he is sort of throwing that away by there's, there's a certain element of me not connected to, again, now that I've heard what you said, I'm like, Oh no, Nick is correct. I, I'm wrong. There's a certain part of me that's like, you get that good feel of like, no. someone's someone's being a dick to John Tory, but I think, you know, I think you're correct. If I was to read his mind, I'll tell you what he's doing. He's trying to keep his name in the news. The news is, media is eating him up, right? And that's what he's doing. He's playing to, you know, I'm going to be the whatever, the rebel, the black sheep, whatever, and keep my name in the news. And I can guarantee you on 2026, he's going to run. Guarantee it. Actually, it's funny you should mention that because uh, one of the things I, I was going to bring up is a tweet, um, and it 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 says big tell that Matt Lowe is running for mayor in 2026, attending events that are far removed from his ward. Yeah, uh, he attended a. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is the he attended the lunar uh, oh. New Year thing at the Scarborough uh, Town Center with Councillor Ainsley. Yeah. Okay. So with my counselor. Uh, yeah, the Scarborough Town Center. Yeah, there you go. Wow. Yeah. Like it's politics, guys. That's the way it's played, right? You know? Because he's going to be up in 2026. Um, I have a feeling, you know, Brad um, Bradford is going to run. I Ooh, think Crawford running. And definitely, not to jump ahead, Jennifer McClevey. Because she became deputy mayor. Now, if there's I can a, see that. Yeah, if there's one that's been sucking up to Tory, that's her. What about? Well, Steve? I can't remember. I can't remember what context Matt was it with you or I said. Oh yeah, it was with our episode. I said Gary Crawford could could do it. Not that yeah. I not that I want that. Not that I want that to happen. Not that I want it, but I could. But see I could Brad, see that. Yeah, I could see Brad, Gary, Jennifer, and definitely Josh. We should what about- make a bet now in four years from now, Matt. And Philip and replay that. I put that in. Let's put some money down on this. What about Stephen Holiday? What about Stephen Holiday? No, I think I, I think he, it seems to me that he's just he's popular in his ward because of yeah. his family name. I don't think that it extends to the rest of the city. Yeah, exactly. He's not playing it. Uh, maybe he will down the road, but right now, the four names I named, they're playing it. We should put money on this. Hundred dollars a name. Oh, 50 bucks. Hey. I, I'll, I'll, I'll start at relatively 50 bucks. Hey, Philip, with the inflation, by the time you <laughs> get the bet, 100 bucks won't be worth shit, okay? Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, it won't be worth it. Okay, you know what? I got four whatever. years. I got four years. Yeah, exactly. Fair anyway, enough. sorry, Matthew. Continue. It's all good. It's all good. Uh, for Ward 14, uh, I don't think anyone was registered, so we didn't pick anyone. Yeah, that's right. Uh, for Ward 15, we agreed on Jane Robinson, and we, mm-hmm. we were right. Yeah. Uh, 18 and 19, I don't think we uh, there were anyone that we picked. Um, so I didn't, I didn't write anything down for those for ward 20, you picked Crawford and I didn't pick anybody. So you were right. Uh, 
for Ward 21, we both picked Michael Thompson. Which go figure blows my mind that he got reelected with you know the sexual assault charges that have been charged against him, two counts, not even one. And he still got reelected with a landslide. I thought he was going to be finished right at that point. I don't know it's, what to think. You know, I, I want to say something about, you know, you're surprised or not, not you specifically, but like you can be surprised, but apparently I can't remember who was saying it, but, oh, you know, I actually think it was Kiri who was saying it. He was, you know, very popular in the community. Like he was well-known, mm-hmm. uh, which it surprises me what, like what people will look aside, you know, for, yeah. for what they know. Exactly. What they will overlook. It, it's ridiculous. Like beyond ridiculous, but anyway, whatever. And he's kept a low profile. <laughs> I'll give him that. Very but surprisingly. Our, yeah. As of our next guy at 22 too. Yes. Uh, so I picked uh, 22. I picked Anthony Internicola mm-hmm. and uh, Nick picked uh, Nick Mantis. Mm-hmm. And you yeah. won. Yeah. There's and a for- guy who's just coasting. Just <laughs> coasting. Um, and then for 23, I picked Jamal Myers. And, and you you picked Cynthia Lau. But again, we did this um, in very early in the election before her passing. I yeah. do think it is a real, I mean, I guess this is more from our curiosity. But at the same time, it's a real shame that those votes were just like stricken instead of counted, like there should have been at least some acknowledgement of what the community voted for. Mm-hmm. Like, even if she had won and I don't know, they had to do a by-election or even if she technically won, but it still went to Jamal Myers, there would have to be some sort of understanding about what the community was voting for. Yeah. And it just, it does seem like a raw deal for just those votes to be struck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's 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 hard enough to get people to vote, and then when you find out your votes don't count because of a specific or particular reason, it kind of really demotes the reason for voting in the per- in the first place. And I mean, unless I'm mistaken, there wasn't really any there wasn't any build up to it. It was very sudden, right? Like, yeah, it was sudden. It yeah. wasn't just like months of like health problems. Yeah. It was just like. No, it like, was like it was like Thanos snapped his fingers. So for the last two, uh, I, I don't think I picked anyone for twenty four because there was no one else to pick. Right. Uh, uh, you Paul picked was, yeah. Paul was Paul Ainsley was there, and you picked him. Yeah. And then for twenty five, you and I both picked uh, Jennifer McKelvey. Yeah, definitely. Do we have a running total? Let's see. Sorry, I'm just counting. No, this makes for good podcast airtime. <laughs> You guys can carry on while I count. Listen, we need to give people time to think. <laughs> exactly. And breathe. Digest We've said a lot breathe. of stuff here. Yeah. What's going on in the culture wars? Oh, speaking of, I mean, this is sort of just in line with what you were saying earlier. You know, the alcohol recommendation. Mm-hmm. It was like a report came out about gas stoves. Yeah. And as far as I know, no legislation anywhere right. has like been proposed to ban gas stoves. Correct. So there's just this weird like cultural whinging about like, God, don't take these stoves from me. I right. God dare you. But it's like nobody's nobody's saying that. 
So yeah. it looks like you won, Nick. 13 12. Yeah, Ooh, that was no pretty close, though. Yeah, <laughs> since there was no money in it, well, it's a hollow victory. A hollow victory. <laughs> what can I say? So um, there were some other things that, that I know that you wanted to touch on, Nick. I'm just. Um... Yeah. So one of the things I had uh, mentioned, I guess, in my email to you. Uh, was the big uproar over the proposed, it's not, I believe, still uh, put through, the 10 cents TTC fare hike, like that. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of talk about the upcoming budget and so forth, um, like that type of thing. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Let's start with that. Well, uh, I would say, not that 10 cents is breaking anyone's budget, you know, it's not a huge thing, but it is, it's a, it's a combination of you, you claim that you want to improve ridership. You want to get people onto the TTC for whatever reason the city wants to do that. If it wants to get people out of, you know, personal cars and get more people onto public transit, whatever the reason is by increasing the fare and reducing service, you're, you're basically doing everything you can to get people to decide to get to stay away mm. you know so it's not the fare increase isn't even the bigger part of it it's just kind of in tandem with the service reduction mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and let's not forget the new the new batch of uh fare inspectors right or, yeah. or, or whatever we're calling them this week mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um to be honest with you they're a waste of money. You know, I had a friend, he doesn't work for the TTC anymore, so he doesn't mind me telling the story. Um, he used to be a bus driver, and he would say that he doesn't care if the person coming on the bus puts in a piece of paper or a dime or the actual correct fare. It's not worth his life. Mm -hmm. um, but then I've heard that the TTC is uh, coming back at drivers for not enforcing the rules. And now we have a bunch of, uh, you know, we have TTC uh, uh, driver assaults every single day, sometimes multiples a day. And it's just, it's, it's, it's not okay. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, you can't put on every bus, unfortunately, you know, a, a police officer or an enforcement officer or whatever. So that's not uh, radical, uh, not possible, I should say, like that. But my thoughts are, you know, I think we're living more and more in a world where people are looking for freebies too much. Um, so when I go to the 10 cents thing, I'm going, man, you know, you could charge $10 a ride and it'd be so much less expensive than owning and driving and maintaining a car, right? And I, a car owner, a multiple car owner, actually, uh, know that. So I've always said to myself, you know, why do people stay in the car when the option, even if it was like 325, uh, I believe is now each ride, when the option of using public transit is there, that's, I'm, I'm talking radical change, difference, right? You know, you could travel around for a year on the TTC and what it costs in your car insurance alone, you know, 
like that. But people are so addicted to the car. I, I'm just, I'm trying to get into that headspace. You know, are you? Is your thought more like how would how would they tra- how would the city realistically translate people who own their personal vehicle? How would they translate them right. out of their car onto a bus? Exactly. When they are willing to pay so much more now to drive, own, maintain a car, park it, and everything, you know, the average is, according to CAA, which I believe is on the low side, the average cost to own a car in Toronto is $12,000 a year, which I believe is on the low side, right? That's presuming you have no breakdowns, nothing. Sorry, 12000 or 1200 12000 a year. Oh, that's, that's like gas too, right? Yeah, gas. Oh, yeah. Think about your monthly expense, just gas alone and insurance, just those two on a monthly basis. Over the year, you're going to have oil changes, probably tire changes, if you put on winter tires, you know, parking, blah, 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 okay, whatever type of thing. So why, what is keeping people so much in their cars and what can the city do because the gap, the gap is is insane between taking the bus or the public transit to owning a car. You know what I'm saying? The, the headspace. I, I'm trying to figure it out. Like there's a there's a gap there. There's of a like, huge gap. There's a huge gap. That's key. the understanding that we want to reduce right. personal vehicle usage. Exactly. People again, and a lot of people both. I kind of I don't want to I don't want to jump into like the culture thing of the gas stoves, but I feel like there would be a huge segment of those people who would just always just forever be like, I'll you know, you'll rip these cards out of my dead hands. But and that it's not even unreasonable people who would also be in the same boat of, well, I've got my own car. Why I'm going to go get groceries. Why am I going to wait for a bus? Why am I going to take a buggy, make it all, you know, wait in the cold? I've got a car. Right. So that yeah. makes sense. It's like, and I don't have a good, I don't have a good answer for you. Maybe that's what I should like work on in the next four years personally. Of yeah. How do you, how do you make that? How do you bridge that? Right. So the only answer I have right now, obviously cost of the car ownership and all that needs to be probably higher to get people again out of their cars. Obviously, so we discourage a, it. Yeah, discourage it. We have not hit a financial pain point enough where people are saying, shit, it ain't worth to have a car. Even though I would think now they would think that they're not thinking that. It's just not worth it. I don't know if either of you own a car. I do. I, I kind of I, 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 I kind of disagree because I feel like I'm almost at that point, you know. Um, right. Okay, good. We're getting there. I'll 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 I'll, I'll, I'm transparent. So I'll tell you, I pay $450 a month in insurance. It's not just me, wow. you know, right. my, my daughter's a, a part-time driver, but $450, you know, a year ago when I got the insurance, cause I switched companies, I, they started me at 334 mm-hmm. and uh, no accidents, no tickets, no nothing. I am a really solid driver. Mm-hmm. And within one year I'm at 450. Yeah. I, I added my kid, but but there were three increases before that for no reason. And I called them and I said, what the hell is this? Three increases in the last year. They're like, well, you know, cost of business goes up, inflation, blah, 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 blah. Mm, yeah. Nothing. You can't get away you with know, it. The days, I have, the days of- I have a thought. Yeah, go ahead. 
sorry, I, I'm very sorry for interrupting. Um, okay, so here's, I know you just mentioned how relatively cheap, and I mean, yeah, universal truth, relatively cheap public transit is versus personal vehicle ownership. Right. But I do wonder if even, so I'm not, I'm not going to think about the logistics of this. I'm not even going to, you know, deeper thought. I'm just going to just for this thought experiment, let's just pretend there's no external factors. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the 325, it's not a huge barrier, but it's still a small like barrier there or like the Metro pass, even just having it in your wallet. That's still like a, a very, very small inconvenience. What if riding the bus, getting on transit was no barrier? You just walked on, cost, cost nothing. Do you, do you think that might get people out of their cars? So I don't again. know because, again, yeah, they, they again, it's free now. But when you look at from car ownership to taking public transit, it's almost like public transit is free. For 325, you know, it's like a free ride. I guess like, so. I guess I'm just wondering if even even just that small cost, not not even just yeah. like breaking the bank, but just like even just having the change is just yeah. like uh, you know, what's the point sort of thing. Yeah. If even eliminating that would yeah, maybe even even some trips, you know, like even if it's not it's maybe say five trips they take their car, even short trips. And yeah. they eliminate three of those. Yeah. I mean, that's very unrealistic going to go for, you know, fare free transit, but that's just, you know, this fantasy well, scenario. Um, there are cities, I believe, in Europe and so forth that do have fare free transit like that. But again, and the cost of co owning a vehicle in Europe is a lot more than even in Toronto or New York City or North America. So maybe there's the point. But the thing, what I'm trying to say, Philip, is if you were to look at a yearly cost of a Presto card, okay, so 12 times 100 and whatever, versus owning a car, it's a chasm. It's not like, yeah, oh, yeah, no, no, I get it. Five, 10%, you know, or whatever. It's a chasm here. It's huge. And it's still not deterring people, especially in inflationary times, to go and take the bus or the subway like that. Even a guy like me who lives literally five minutes away, like I'm at the corner of Eglinton and uh, Kingston Road. So the 86 Express goes to the uh, Kennedy station Kennedy, yeah. and all that. I can't tell you the last time, it's been years since I've been on a bus. Like Although I, I also wonder if uh, a lot of the, <laughs> I almost say media as if it's not actually happening, but Right. You know, the, the bigger stories around, like, um, the crime happening on, on, on the TTC. Right. I wonder, that's also going to keep people away. Exactly. And that's the media upplaying it and, and so forth and, and all that. Uh, you know, it's there in the business. I'll have to send you a link to my article on the alcohol and uh, COVID because I talk exactly that. The media is in the business of keeping people in angst, right? That's how you get clicks and views, right? Right. Like that. Right. So, Absolutely. yeah, and, you know, is there crime? Of course there's crime. There's crime everywhere. And it happens, right? You know, but 
it's not excessive you know it's not a free-for-all out there but you know it's not thunderdome all of a sudden but anyway yeah that's just my thoughts on you know how this 10 cents increases like freaky and there was a you know they toronto's um i guess credit they froze the fares since 2020 right the fares have been frozen as john tory had promised right so that's it and then of course there's the whole thing about the money going towards i think 55 million or whatever to the police budget Right. So right. It, it's 48.3. But yes, I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Yeah. Last week, Phil and I, uh, we talked about this and I made the analogy that John Tory keeps doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. The clinical defini- uh, definition of mm. being insane, giving, uh, increasing the budget and, and doing so on his quote unquote feelings. Right. No, no evidence, nothing. Feelings. I'd love to hear what you have to say. So here's the thing no one's talking about, right? John Tory is not going to run again. So this is his last term. You think he gives a shit? That's, <laughs> right? a, good, that's a good point. He's going to be doing, and I, we'll see more of this in the next, not next year, but the year after and two. He's going to be putting his, you know, his pals in good places or giving them, you know, the people who helped him get where he is today. That's the way it works, right? Like that. So I don't think if we're looking for accountability for him, he's not a guy looking for re-election, <laughs> right? He's going to leave his legacy, you know, longest serving mayor, whatever it's going to be. You know, and I was going to ask you, uh, unless you think that's good enough, do you think longest serving mayor is good enough as a legacy? Or do you, do you think he even gives a shit about a legacy? No, I don't think he does. You're, you're right. I don't think he does. He's certainly not going to be like another um, Miller was his last name. What was that guy? David Miller. David Miller or Amel Lastman or whatever. He'll be a footnote. Well, other than, you know, longest serving man. Right, other right. than that, he's a footnote like that. He has not really done anything for the city. Let's put it this way. 12 years will pass. All Toronto's gotten was more population, but there's nothing you can, oh, wow, you know, thanks to, you know, John Tory, this happened or whatever like that. Right. What can people even point to and say, like, John Tory did that? Exactly. There's nothing they can uh, point to and all that. He's in it. He took it as a position of, you know, probably to help his businesses or business partner or whatever type of thing he's a money man right like that so going back to the budget uh the police budget and all that agree with you 100 percent, matt but we're looking at a guy who's on his last terms right so he's you know not so he really, doesn't give a shit yeah he doesn't give a shit right he's probably helping out where he needs to help out and so forth like that um like that i don't know like that but what's the alternative if you don't increase the police budget with inflation? I can't imagine how much fuel, like, you know, the Toronto Police Department goes through or, you know, cost of living for all the other things. Are we at a point yet where we're ready to start defunding the police? You know, I don't know. <laughs> like, literally, are we at that point yet? I don't think so. 
Like, I think in terms of the police, and, and again, I covered this with Phil, I don't believe in defunding the police. What I believe is that you need a complete restructuring. Uh, the police are so amped up on reactive measures, mm-hmm. reactive policies and procedures, and yeah. they need to be proactive. Um, there's a lot of shit the police does that they don't need to do. And, and I'm not just and I'm not just oh, yeah. talking about, uh, you know, uh, um, situations that require mental health experts. I'm talking about traffic control. That's yeah. why that's why that the Toronto police uh, employs crossing guards. For yeah. what reason? That's that's the reason. Yeah. What are we doing here? <laughs> yeah. um, that's just one of the examples. I, like, I was I was telling Phil, I said, well, I would cut three hundred million out of the police budget, and I would also take down the Gardner Expressway uh, because two billion dollars every four years to keep to upkeep it is ridiculous. Um, I know that John Tory is only doing that because of what's going on on an, at, at Ontario Place. And so it's more luxurious, maybe more faster to get there using the, the Gardner Expressway. But if you take that down, yeah. use, use that money to mm-hmm. restore every single unhoused person in Toronto. You don't have an unhoused problem anymore. Every one of those people well, most of those people become a, a taxpayer, a contributing member of society, and and you know, boom goes the dynamite. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's just my thoughts, though. Yeah, exactly. So he, he probably has developer friends that benefit from the Gardner Expressway being always maintained. You know, um, I'm sure he does like that, and I'm sure if you look at it from a long point of view. He doesn't benefit anything from solving the homeless crisis. If there, he, is, a, if there is a homeless crisis, that's because, a whole different topic. Going going but, back to going back to because he's not running again. That's why, right, right? Exactly. Or before that, you know, last term or the term before. What is the benefit? Think about that for a minute. For any politician or mayor to solve homelessness. Every city I know, and I've traveled a lot, I've lived in a lot of places, you know, go to Los Angeles if you want to see homeless, go to San Francisco, go to New York, Europe, whatever. Every city, metropolis in the world has a homeless issue. Why has it never been solved, not only in Toronto, anywhere? Because there's no money in it. That's the cynic in me coming out. I, no, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. But they don't uh, vote. Uh, homeless people don't vote, right? So why am I catering to them? But the rich people vote, so I'm going to cater to them, right? It's all incestuous. Now you know, Philip, what to do next time. <laughs> there you go. It's all it's all incestuous, right? Personally, this is what I think. Politicians are, especially councillors, they're in the business they should be of servitude. Too many of the councillors came out. They're going to be this big advocate. They're going to do this, that. They're going to solve. They're not. Okay, four years from now, we're going to be in the same place. You're there to serve the public. John Tory is the same thing, just a bigger public thing. He's a servant of the people. He's not there. And I think he understands that. He's not there to solve social issues, right? Homelessness, crime, 
inflation and all, and everyone piles it on him. That's not his job. You know, that's more at a higher level because inflation, that's a more Trudeau thing. Crime, what, he's going to stop it going from Mississauga or Markham or whatever? That's more of a Doug Ford and a federal issue, right? The laws are not made by John Tory, so forth. So really, when you look at a mayor of a city, even of Toronto, or a councillor, they really are there just to serve. They're not there to solve our problems like that. That's my own my take on it. And I wish more councillors, hopefully next time, will start talking in that matter of what are you going to do? Don't tell me you're going to solve the rental problem or rent increases. You're not. Okay, that's out of your scope. I, I pointed it out, I think Philip knows that, in an article and stuff like that, quite often, you're talking stuff you can't do nothing about it. You're trying to buy votes or appeal to people who hopefully will be smarter enough to know you can't do that or you have no thing. Jill was doing that. That's what killed him. He talked stuff that was totally out of the scope of being a mayor. And, and he took a shot at Rob Ford, too. He took a shot at Rob Ford. I talked to him about that. I mentioned that. He's, he was taking shots at John Tory, this and that. Mudslinging never works, right? Don't try to pull the other person down. Just stick to your message. And then he made, as you saw in that article, he made goofs about, I'm going to make you know Bishop Airport a park. What? It's the 10th busiest airport in Canada. You're not going to make it a park. First of all, it's probably not under your jurisdiction. Same thing when he talked about Ontario Place. That's a provincial, right? He has nothing to do with it, but he thought he did, right? And he had to backtrack a bit on that. You know, you got to know your position. Stay in your lane. I'd love to know your thoughts uh, on the new councillors that uh, were elected. Uh, if you want to go one at a time, if you have... Uh, yeah. So let's start with uh, Amber Morley. So, first of all, I think all the councillors, um, you know, they're enjoying their 120000 plus salary and perks and all that. I think they're going to quickly uh, enjoy eating from the public trough, okay? And they're going to settle down real quick. I think Amber is not going to settle down. I think she'll still be that advocate that she always was like that. But personally, what I just said earlier, she's going to learn that, yeah, you might be able to help your corner of the world a bit, but you ain't going to change anything in the grand scheme of things, which in this case is Toronto, like that. Uh, but I was glad, again, to see her win because, you know, she proved an incumbent can be beaten. And Mark Grimes was, you know, a well-known named incumbent. Like yes, that. That was yes. good to see that. It was really good. I was glad like that. And then for Ward 9, uh, Alejandro Bravo. So Jill backed her up. She's, uh, I believe, of Colombian background. He's from uh, Colombia. So I wonder if that had anything to do with it uh, like that. Uh, but I think she will be the type that will listen to the people I think she will be the one that will go in and say her piece, but I don't see her as a fighter, right? I think she'll just say, yeah, I did my best and so forth, and that's it. But like working within the rules yeah. and the system. And 
and all the counselors are going to work in the rules, right? I know we talked about Josh MacLeod, but he's trying to, you know, he's getting the media coverage. That's it. He's being rogue for his own self-interest, I believe. Right. right? And Ward 10, Ozma Malik? Okay, so she broke the barriers, right? First one to wear a hijab and all that kind of stuff. If we look at her bi biography or background or whatever, she's played around politics for quite a bit, quite a bit. She was endorsed by the Progressive Toronto, uh, a number of the NDPs. So she's one of, um, she's a socialist at heart, which pisses me off, okay? Like that. I think she's a good addition to the council, but again, I think too, she will really quickly, if not already become discouraged, right? She's, John Tory has veto power and he's a capitalist at heart. And we got her who's very much obviously a left. I feel like that will be very demoralizing for, yeah. for the counselors who, who got on, on this idea of wanting to be transformational exactly oh yeah exactly it's going to be very but i do want to i do want to give a quick shout out to uh Osmo, though. um matt i had mentioned before how i'd sent emails out about the uh the shelters yes and how gord perk's office got back to me uh i actually did get a response from uh Osmo's office too so um so i actually do want to give a shout out for that any anyone that gives a response when you send anything yeah. in i'm like shout out to yeah. uh so i do just want to say that that office responds good. that's awesome that's and good. uh ward 11 diane Sachs. so she <laughs> won only by a hundred votes right philip philip's got a funny story that he probably <sighs> wants to tell you again or tell us again but tell I, you for the first time uh, cp24 I, I don't know if CP24 called it or if I had a fever dream where CP24 called it, but I sent a message to Norm mm -hmm. uh, immediately being like, congratulations. Like, I was so excited for yeah. him. Like, Norm was my boy. Um, and, like, he, he never responded. And good on him for not responding to, like, confirm that, yeah, man, I'm the counselor now. But we had yeah. him on the we had him on the show, and he said they, uh, congratulations were just pouring in. So it wasn't yeah. just you, Philip. It was a real shame in my but, mind. I mean, I like Norm. But going back to Diane Sachs. So here's the thing: if you just win by a hundred votes, I would be on my toes because obviously, if Norm runs again in twenty six, you know you're up head to head. Right, with a guy that came like 100 votes is nothing really, like that. So she's got to be on her game. I, I haven't seen it yet, uh, not that I'm watching her, but you know, I hope she stays on her game and understands that she can lose this in the next election, like that, in a flash, like that. We'll see what happened. 100 votes that's and then uh, Ward 13, Chris Moise. Don't know nothing about him. Like, you know, not really. Yeah. Again, don't hear nothing. You know, they kept a low profile. It's yeah. It's a very, it's still a very new council, and they yeah. haven't even done too many like council sessions. Right. So I do feel like it is hard to get a grasp on a lot of the you know, new councils where counselors yeah. where they are. 
And then, uh, you know, I think we, we might've covered your thoughts on him already, but, uh, war 23, Jamal Myers. Yeah. So Jamal, again, there's a tough one. So we had the one, like I said, hundred votes, Diane wins, Jamal wins because who he's up against died. I don't know yeah. if that's like, okay, I won by default. Really? Um, that, that's a that's a tough position to, uh, to be in. So the question becomes: Is he deserving? If it you know of his you know being Ward Twenty Three Counselor, you know how does he feel about it? What's he doing to make up that? You know, I won this by default. Do you think a by election would have been appropriate? Yes, hundred percent. That's what should have happened. Like that, it should have been a by election like that. And if we go back up to 16, which was, this one surprised me, John Byrne, uh, Burnside. <laughs> yeah, Burnside. So what surprised me about it is immediately, well, not immediately, a month after the election, he gets appointed by Tory as the chair of the TTC. Over Jane Robinson? Yeah. That must Ooh. have, we missed that. <laughs> Come on, guys, you gotta, you know, so what is that about? And how does that play into the fare increase and all that? Maybe Jane was giving him a hard time. I don't know. It's all backroom politics, right? Well, that would explain why, um, uh, you know, you got those counselors who won't speak up against Tory in council. Mm -hmm. uh, But then you got the ones that will, like Josh Matlow, Gord Perks. Right. Um, uh, Paula Fletcher and yeah. Jane Robinson. And I'm like, wait a second, she's one of Tories, and uh, I guess not. She's, a, she's not up and down, mixed bag. She's yeah. up and up and down the roster, right? Anyway, it is what it is, right? Uh, it's you know the system, it, it it perpetuates itself because there's an incentive to go along to get along, right? That's the name of the game, right? Buy, get votes, you know, and you've got to play ball or otherwise you're not going to last long in the game, right? Yeah. That's the way it is. Actually, most of life I find is like that, right? We go along to get along like that, be it the corporate world, which I play in, you know, my career a lot, be it even with, you know, my journalism and all that. There's stuff I can't write. I could, but I ain't going to get published, right? You know, it's it's the name of the beast, right? I can't go out there and say, you know, McDonald's hamburgers or whatever because they're advertisers or whatever like that. There's lines that can't be crossed if I want to play the game. Matt, do we have to beep that? <laughs> yeah, you got to beep it. If you don't want McDonald's to be mad at you, right? Like, thing, stop, stop, <laughs> McDonald's, please. They're going to sponsor you, you know? Oh, actually, you know what? On that, you know, in that case, we should be saying McDonald's a lot more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Get them sponsored. Yeah. Well, Nick, before you go, I wanted to yeah. make an announcement and let you know that on February 13th, we are going to be holding a former candidate roundtable, hopefully headed by, well, no, we'll be heading it, but <laughs> including Gil Penalosa. Excellent. So, is a mayor candidates? Mayor? No, no. Well, yeah, oh, mayor candidates, right? 
there were there's a few mayoral candidates. Uh, Sarah Kleimanhag is going to be there. Um, uh, uh, Nia Singh is going to be there. Reginald Tall will be there. Uh, but there but there's going to be a few um, ward can ward candidates as well. Are you serious? You're going to have Reginald there? Tall. That guy who ran into the would you would you like me to ask him a question? I'll ask him. We can him talk a... about that. Oh my god, guys, guys. You know <laughs> I invited I invited Blake Acton too, but I haven't heard anything. Oh god. <laughs> no, Not the... Oh my god. Yeah. I personally, if I was you, I'd keep those that very separate. Like Blake, Reginald in the same forum. You're just asking for a powder keg there, like that. Definitely, like that. Blake is. Um, I don't expect him to RSVP. So yeah, there's there's problems with Blake. Okay, I'll, I'll be open with it. <laughs> that's pretty. Uh, lot, that's yeah, pretty there's mild. There's a lot of issues with Blake and Reginald. I didn't think there was issues, but anyone who goes storming in because they felt entitled to be part of a debate. Like, how many people could be on the stage? Come on. The Board of Trade has to, you know, set boundaries, right? Obviously, no one's entitled to media coverage. I've said that openly. <laughs> could uh, you imagine a 33-table, yeah, exactly. like, debate? And most of the people who ran for mayor are not to be taken seriously, right? Like that. And I can name name, you know, but we're not going to, you know, for obvious <laughs> reason. But they're not to be taken seriously. When you look at it, Matthew and Phil, to run for mayor of the fourth largest city, if not the third largest city of Toronto, and think about it, we're what, 7 million people, 6 million? That's more than a lot of countries. Think about what it become to take to become prime minister, uh, premier of just, let's say, Alberta, which has 2 million people, or British Columbia. You know what the, the engine that has to be behind it? You know, the connections you need, the money you need, the visibility. And these people think they can come on the scene and they'd be loved, right? Like that. So Acton is a classic example. I'm going to come on, do nothing but Twitter. I've never knocked on a door in my life. And I'm going to spew out all this really right wing. And I'm right wing myself, but this guy is off the cliff right wing. I'm going to spew all this right wing rhetoric. And, you know, I pointed at him out in my article of the, the overview. Mm -hmm. You know, the guy goes, he's for carding. Well, just put a gun to your head, guy. You just shot yourself there. What are you doing? You know, this is Toronto. You got to read the room. Toronto is still very much, even though we don't act it, our mindset is very much left and progressive. Carding is, and I don't agree with carding either, by the way, not in any form like that talk about police uh you know having better things to do but that's not the point you gotta read your room you know um and there was a few other ones that weren't reading the room right um i'm trying to pick up another one i forget her name like that who was going all blm all over the place and uh, totally radical and i'm going whoa take it easy you know like that just Oh, uh, God. Um, and she was in the debate, too. Yeah, uh, I, know, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Co Collegia, yeah. I think. is oh. yeah, Chloe or something like that. Yeah. And again, you're not reading the room. You need the votes of everybody, right? Not just a particular group. 
you know, off topic, Matt, to you. Um, but on this, I sort of, it was funny when you, I don't know if you're going to put this in or edit it out, but when you had the uh, birthday invite for next weekend. Yeah. So I, my wife was in the room, right? And I'm looking at the thing. So obviously on Facebook, you can look who's invited, right? Yeah. And I'm going, shit, I could be lynched here. Because I, I, I'm blocked pretty well by a lot of these. Jamal blocked me, actually. Wow. <laughs> I'm proud of it in a way. Uh, and I know Chloe's blocked me and all. I'm going, man, this could make for a great evening. You know, it could have been a nice bunch of fireworks there. I'm sort of sad it didn't happen. But it yeah, you know what? It's awful lot of people. We, we lost out on the room and then yeah. my wife decided, you know what? Let's just go to Niagara. So that's what we right, did. Yeah. And uh, I, I would have loved that, you know, I, I spent the last whatever it was, seven months, um, not physically meeting, but meeting all of you guys. And I just yeah. want to, you know, I'm turning 40. I want to have the people that I know there. And, and you know, it, it would have been a blast. And maybe we can do it when I'm 45. We'll see. Yeah, uh, but it would have been a, it would have been <laughs> interesting conversations. There would have been some powder kegs here. I'm, fr- I'm surprised Philip is being so cordial right now to me. <laughs> You know what? I was I was just thinking to myself as you described yourself as right wing, and I think I make myself very perfectly clear on Twitter. You know, yeah, very yeah, left wing. But that's but- that's what makes this podcast so well because I'm not. I'm maybe right of center or whatever the hell that means. Um, and uh, Philip and I don't we don't sit on the same aisle, but yet we can. We can agree to disagree and still work yeah. together. Well, I was I was just thinking the fact that most of the stuff you said today, Nick, I don't disagree with you. Or even if uh, even if not fully agree with you, at least can see yeah. more where you're coming from. You know, like it's not we're not missing the mark here. No, I don't think we are. Um, and for the record, I'm more of a libertarian than anything else, but definitely on the right side. Uh, like that. I think there's too much government interference like that. And it's just a bloated bureaucracy. Really. Absolutely. Think yeah. of how much, think of how much money we could save as a society if, oh. with less government workers. The only, the only joke I want to make is I want to be a part of that bureaucracy. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Anyway, this has been really fun. Glad we did it. Um, so you said February 13th. 13th. Uh, sorry, no, that's the day we're recording. This will be out. Oh, right, uh, right. So the 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 roundtable will be out on the 15th. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. definitely send me the link to that or reminder at least. I will do and that. I'll um, certainly uh, listen to it and uh, try to make it go viral. Do my social media thing and get pre- it out there. I appreciate I appreciate everything that you do, Nick. And thank you so and thank you so much for coming on and and being a part of the municipal. My pleasure. My pleasure. Okay. Have a good evening, guys. Take care. You too. So that was a great uh, interview. Thank you again, Nick, for uh, for coming on. That was great, wasn't it, Philip? You know, I thought he would uh, shred me apart a little more, and he he was very nice to me. He was a good guy. But that brings me to, you know, a few topics I wanted to cover before we get out of here. Starting with what in the world is going on in Twitter land? Oh, I know you specifically wanted. uh, wanted... Yeah, you're running the Twitter land beat. 
Oh man, okay. Then I but I I do know uh the two things. Well, I mean, a one thing that specifically wanted to talk about uh I'll find it, but her name is it's about it's about Hazel McCallion. Um yes, please, let's talk about that. Hurricane Hazel. And it's just it's just the fact that she supports you know the development on the green belt. And you could have you can have kind of a nuanced thought on this, I guess, but it, it really does seem like it's it's one of those there the analogy is you know about good governance is you know that it's a tree that you plant that you may never you know sit under the shade of. You know, the implication being that good governance is slow moving and blah blah blah. So Hazel McCallion at 102 years old, you know, supporting the development on the green belt. Uh, that's Hazel McCallion, or rather, Hurricane Hazel says, fuck them trees. Which is crazy because her whole mayoral reign, whatever you want to call it, she was always protecting the green belt and 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 pro the environment, which it, I I highly, highly, highly respect Hurricane Hazel and the career that she's had for herself. But at some point, you have to ask yourself, what the fuck is going on? What's with the 180? What the fuck are you doing? And it's rude. This is going to be, like, so rude for me to say. Like, no one, no one I think will appreciate me saying this. But at 102 years old, actually, you know what? I can, I think I can make it, I can say it this in a way that's not offensive. At 102 years old, it would have been so much easier to not step in it by just not saying anything. I agree. Anything else? Any, oh, well, okay. Now, you and I had a quick phone chat on Sunday when my dad drove me to uh, Walmart for groceries. And, uh, you know, we were talking about the virtues of American groceries. Yes. No, guacamole in a two. That's my now go-to example. But, and, and I don't even particularly like guacamole. But it's the, it's the scientific advancement of a chunky sauce in a tube that apparently only Americans are allowed to have. It's just, you know, Canada, what's going on? But, Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I got one for you too, but I'll let you finish. My my most important thing is that on my grocery trip that day, I discovered old El Paso flavored pizza pops, which it's a food that I can really only truly describe as <laughs> like ultimate white trash, but I love it so much. It was it's really good. I really do like it, but I also really like garbage food. So you know, I, I can't say that as an endorsement. If me liking a food is not an endorsement for other people. So uh, when we were in Niagara Falls, we crossed the border to New York. And, uh, you know, I'm back now, so I can say whatever I want. But we went to <laughs> a place called Tops, which is... Uh, a Matthew, gr- we don't have freedom of speech in Canada. When you came back, <laughs> you lost your privileges. Right? What do you mean you can say whatever you want now? You don't got that. Um, You're in Canada. <laughs> We went to Tops, which is like, I guess, a grocery store chain 
uh, in the U.S. Um, I don't know. I, I'm, my wife's mentioned we might have tops here, but I'm like, no, I don't think I don't we think do. So. so there's a tops in Buffalo. Um, by the way, we're just past the border uh, in Buffalo or whatever the fuck that is. Like, aside from the hotels, that it's scary there, man. A lot of shit is boarded up. A lot of people haven't come back from COVID like that. It's a very, um, honestly, I hate saying this, but I'll say it. It, it looks like a third world country. Wow. It's scary. But anyway, we went to tops. So do you know that we can't buy, do you like banana pudding? Uh, I don't, I tell you, I don't, I don't spend a lot of my time thinking about banana pudding. Okay, I love banana pudding. <laughs> I love banana pudding. Great declaration. You, you cannot get instant banana pudding anywhere that I shop here in, in, in North Etobicoke. I don't know about where you are. I had to cross the border, so I got like 10 packs of the instant banana pudding while I was there. You know, you really should make some sort of trade crossover at the border where you bring a bunch of Kinder eggs as your uh, and, and your don't sort forget of offering and ketchup chips. They don't have those. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. They don't have those either. <laughs> and then so you just accept their various other flavors of chips, whatever else they got. And honey, of course, the honey gut. barbecue. The honey barbecue. The honey is, barbecue. It, you know that amazing. actually probably is good. I I bet it is good. I think so. <laughs> um. So I have a letter here that uh, was written by John Tory. Would you like me to read it? Let's hear it. Let's hear it from the man himself, the man, the myth, the monster. So it says it, it, on the top of the page, John Tory, mayor, it's a proclamation he's making. Emergency shelter and homeless service worker appreciation week, January 23rd to 29th of 2023. Whereas this week is an opportunity to honor the dedication and commitment of emergency, emergency shelter workers and homelessness uh, service workers who serve Toronto's homeless residents. One of the city's most important responsibilities and top priorities is providing supports to the city's most vulnerable residents. Work done with great care and compassion by emergency shelter and homelessness service workers. Thousands of dedicated workers deliver services to homeless residents around the clock, seven days a week, every day of the year, at more than 100 emergency shelter programs across Toronto and to individuals living outside. Uh, they are focused on establishing supportive relationships as a first step in addressing the individual's immediate health and safety needs. The program workers connect residents with street outreach, shelters, 24-hour respite sites, warming centers, and temperature, uh, temporary shelters uh, opened as part of the city's COVID-19 response, as well as drop-in services, wraparound supports, and long-term housing opportunities. I want to thank all the emergency shelter workers and homeless uh, homelessness service workers for the important life-saving work that they do each and every day. Their work makes our city a more compassionate place in which to live. Now, therefore, I, Mayor John Tory, on behalf of Toronto City Council, do hereby proclaim 
January 23rd to the 29th, 2023, as, quote, Emergency Shelter and Homelessness Service Worker Appreciation Week in the City of Toronto, signed John Tory. Insulting. I honestly, I, I feel like of all the things, I think this actually infuriates me because we've only been in this current council for what three months it's been current two months yeah and already we've seen so much really fast action against uh the unhoused in the city and to just be like thank you thank you to the people who care about those people it's insulting i i think it's patronizing i i but at the same time, and I, I don't, I didn't not say this to Nick. I feel like I wouldn't have been able to argue with him, but not because I disagreed with him. When he had sort of said that there weren't enough people who uh, were upset with John Tory, which is true. Like there's a, there's a, there has to be a certain segment of non-voters where that isn't true. But I also just feel like there's a lot of people who are, who are ignorant about who John Tory is and what he's doing. I mean, and that's because a lot of people are ignorant about what happens municipally in general. And it's just, if, if you're not paying attention to that stuff or yeah, if you're not in general paying attention. And so you're not aware of what John Tory has done in regards to like the hotel shelters and, you know, encampments and that stuff. You know, and maybe all you hear from John Tory is this letter of appreciation. And you think, oh, yeah, John Tory, our, our nice guy mayor. Like, I feel like there's a lot of people who, who don't engage too much with, with Toronto politics, who all they see is John Tory, the very polite man. I got a couple of follow-up questions for you, uh, you know, from our, our, our interview with Nick, but also on this topic. So do you believe there's a way in which we can engage the unhoused to vote and, and, and their vote would count. I, I know you need an address and stuff, but they should, everyone should be allowed to vote if you're of age. I think, I think they are. I think there is a way. Um, I, I'm completely ignorant on what those steps are, but I believe there are kind of like, like you can get, there's some sort of address they're allowed to use, I think. But I'm, I'm very ignorant on the situation, so I don't want to comment too much on it. That's okay. That's something that we can research and let, let our listeners know later. And my other question would be, um, do you agree with Nick that uh, John Tory just doesn't give a fuck because he's not running again? I think the, the problem is, is I... I... I there's a part of me that does absolutely see how Nick sees it. And then there's a part of me that doesn't want to see it that way because it's so cynical and pessimistic that you want to, it's like you want to find an explanation that's not simply he doesn't give a shit. But I do think that is, I think that is the main bottom line, but I'm also hoping that that's wrong. If that makes any sense. Yeah. 
my only follow-up would be how long has he not given a shit during I mean, during during this past election did he give a shit maybe not uh, all of last year leading up to the election did he give a shit maybe not I, when when did it change or has he never given a shit he he doesn't seem too broken up about smart track being a failure the rail deck park being a failure and now basically Doug Ford coming in and being the pseudo mayor yeah, he's just, it doesn't seem like, and I was i was interested to hear Nick say that it's like, it, it doesn't seem like he's interested in a legacy, which is crazy. I, I don't know why else you'd want to run for a third term, if for nothing else but a legacy. But if his for, legacy. For the, but you said it, it was for the tagline. Yeah. But as even what you're just saying, his list of failures, that's his legacy. Every every step, every misstep is his legacy. Because if he had if he had a legacy of good things, then the bad things would simply be accidents or mistakes or you know, but that's the norm. That's what he does. He's a bad mayor. (laughs) You'll get no argument from me. Uh, I spent the last seven months trying to get somebody else in his chair. Um so I have an article in front of me. I'm not going to read the article. I might read a couple of things, but the article actually poses a question and I'd love to get a response on the question. Here it is. What do politicians mandates mean if a whole lot of Ontarians didn't vote? Now I want you to answer that in two parts. Number one, so we can, we can address the provincial based on the low voter turnout and then we can move it municipally. So what's the point of having a mandate and saying, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. When the low voter, I mean, they're still winning, but you can't really say, well, I have a strong mandate. That's, I think that's a good question. That's a good, hard question because it's, I mean, I think it does sort of go into what, Again, Nick's thought, where I do still think, while he's not, he's not wrong, there's truth to what he says about uh, enough people not being unhappy with him, but I also think that's very simple and not the whole story. I, I also feel like there's a lot of people who are so disenfranchised by, um, I mean, and this, like, at every level of politics, just feeling disenfranchised and, like, their vote doesn't matter, so why bother? And I feel like there's a huge chunk of that, both Toronto and Ontario elections, where I do feel like there is a lot of people who are not happy with what's going on, but just feel like it doesn't matter. It's like nihilism. It's not a good place to be, but I I feel like a lot of people reach that point. I I feel like I've forgotten your question now. No, no. Uh, So I'll just read a little bit of the article. Um, so, you know that Tory, he, he said he would only use his powers to combat the housing crisis, right? But Tory didn't run on asking for strong mayor powers. That was done behind scenes. Uh, voters found out about that only after the election. And then he's told Torontonians that he's, he said that Torontonians gave him an overwhelming mandate. That's a quote, uh, because he got the most votes. So he's just 
he's just playing politics. Like it's what he's saying is he didn't lie, but he is being disingenuous. It's not like he won. And that's the thing. When a lot of people talk about, you know, they talk about the low percentage and, you know, that dissatisfaction, no one is disputing that John Tory won. But it's just, it's, it's just, it's, I feel like it's more complicated than simply John Tory did okay enough that enough people were just like, man, I don't care. So it, it feels like it's more complicated than that. I agree. And uh, I just wanted to, uh, moving along, I have one quote uh, that I want to read to you. It's from Doug Ford. And then we're going to end it on a lighter, not a lighter note, because it's a serious thing, but um, it might make you giggle. So we'll see. Um, Me personally or people in general? You personally. Okay. All right. I'm looking forward to that. So, so, but first Doug Ford's quote. So he's talking about um, the healthcare and the, uh, um, I guess privatizing it, and and I'm only bringing this up because it's in the same article as what we were just writing about, uh, reading about. Um, it says, "quote We've consulted with everyone and their cousin and their brother and their doctors and their CEOs, you name it." End quote says Premier Doug Ford on Monday. Quote, and this is the best way to go to take the burden off the backs of the hospitals right across the board, end quote. Your thoughts? I hate this fucking guy. Um, here's the thing, and I think here's, here's what's frustrating, and I, I feel like it's sort of the same thing with what I was just talking about with John Tory, but it, it's more relevant with Doug Ford. He's lying. I mean, just he's not being honest. He didn't consult. He consulted who he wanted to consult, you know, and he got the result that he wanted. There just isn't any consequences for lying in politics. In fact, it's so, it's so old hat that people expect it and assume it. And I just, I, I'm getting again, too nihilistic about politics i i want to be more positive because if i if i stay in like nihilism about politics it's sort of like me saying what's what's the point of an electoral politics i don't actually feel that way but um i do feel like that spiral does sort of happen when when you sort of see it as a what's the point exercise you know what i mean so before we move on to the the thing that i think will make you giggle i hope Maybe it's in bad taste. Um, oh no! This just came across on. Um, you're in. You're you're uh, you're in charge of Twitter land. But I just got. I just I saw this tweet and I wanted to read it. It's from John Tory. Oh no! Um, it's dated. I don't know when it's dated. It could have been. Oh no! It's dated um, January 20, two days ago. But I just seen it. Um, earlier tonight, someone fired a BB gun at a TTC bus operator. I'm thankful the operator is physically okay, according to the Toronto police. 
And then he says in the in the comments below, he says, I condemn this act of violence against an innocent transit worker. And I know police are working to arrest those who engage in this shameful behavior. Transit, transit operators keep our city running 24-7 and they must be safe and feel safe at all times while they do their job. I believe anyone who... I believe anyone threatening or inflicting violence on transit workers should face the most serious of consequences for their, I think, its actions. And that's all I, I can see on this tweet. Somebody fired a fucking BB gun at a TTC bus operator. Are you kidding me? Should I be happy it's not a real gun? Are, are, no. we, at that, are we at that point? I'll tell you, man. I, didn't have, I don't even think I know what a BB gun really is. You never seen Home Alone? Oh, is that all that is? Well, I assume BB guns come in all sizes, like like other guns. But uh, Kevin McAllister, you know, he had the he had the shotgun BB gun. Okay, so that makes sense. So on the one level, on like a, a terror level, you know, in that moment where say you don't know that it's not a real gun, like that's or maybe I don't. Again, maybe I'm misunderstanding the whole concept of a. Do BB guns have to look fake? Or can they look real? This is a dumb question, but like John Tory is just, I feel like he just misses the point always. He's always, he just doesn't want to see the point. I agree. Like, yeah, again, if the question is like the immediate terror of it, but it's, it's sort of this like, it's not celebration. Uh, it's like this, you'll, you'll make a point of it for these very small things, but the very real kind of like damage that's done to, I don't know. He's, I feel like he's just drawing attention to the wrong stuff. Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. And just so we're clear to anyone within the sound of my voice, who's offended when I say fuck Kathleen Wynne because of the job she did as the premier, I'll say, I'll say it. For all the political spectrums, fuck Justin Trudeau, fuck Jagmeet Singh, and fuck Doug Ford. There, I covered everybody. No, you missed Pelivier. Oh, well, okay, yeah, sure, fuck him too, but... (laughs) Fair, take it. Just so that I can't be accused of liking one more than the other... Every one of these people have irritated or angered or upset or offended me at one point or another. You know what? I'm going to give one provincial premier, uh, you know, a good, uh, I don't know what I'm, a kudos. And it's not for anything he's done legislatively. Uh, I just want to talk about how tall David Eby is. That dude is tall. And sorry, this it's just a picture of Justin Trudeau, Jagmeet Singh, and Pierre Polyev. I, I think I said his name way wrong the first time I said it. Um, you know, they're all marching together with the, the Lunar New Year Parade, which is great. You know, fake bipartisan unity is, you know, all fair and good. But there's like this very tall guy behind them who I didn't know who that was at first. I just thought he was a random, like, part of the security detail. And then I realized it was the BC premier. Wow. That dude is tall. And that's my kudos to him. That's I don't awesome. know. I don't know what he's done legislatively. He is a tall I'll tell man. You, in terms of, it to him. in terms of, uh, you know, he wasn't elected premier, but he ran for premier. Tim Hudak. I could listen to that man talk 
for hours and never get bored. It's like, um, remember when I was saying to Kiri, it's like I'm being seduced in. I, I love listening to that guy talk. Um, he was the, was he the, he was the OPC leader against, uh, who was before Kathleen Wynn? No, no, he went against Kathleen Wynn and lost. Oh, did he? Oh, okay. Uh, he either he either lost against her or no, I think he lost against her because uh, Dalton McGinty was gone by then. Dalton McGinty, sorry, that was the name. I it wasn't coming to me. So, not on a lighter note because this is a sad story, but I thought you might get a tickle. I'm not sure. <laughs> this is. I'm not sure. No, no, no. I'm, I'm building. Okay. I'm building. Uh, it up let's see it, where we go from here. So. This happened, uh, to close the show, this happened in Daytona Beach, Florida, so not here. Um, a woman fatally shoots her dying husband in a hospital and barricaded herself in the room. Um, apparently, they planned it together. She had his permission. No charges. As I, I, The last I checked, no charges have been laid. But what the hell is this world coming to? I mean, I know we have made here. Obviously, they don't have it in the States. But this guy is terminally ill. And I, I don't understand shooting in the hospital. Why wouldn't they do it at home? But I'm sorry. You're probably not going to get a tickle out of this. I thought you would. I Matthew, apologize. I want you to know <laughs> that the only thing that gives me a tickle about this is that you thought I'd get a tickle out of it. So it's just, it's so funny. I'm like waiting for the joke. And it's just like. <laughs> I didn't deliver so, the punchline. I'm sorry. No, this is, this is way meta funnier. You know, <laughs> I, this is good. <laughs> Dark. But I wonder if that would be a good conversation about made. I feel like it's, it's, it's one of those. You know, I'm not going to get into a, a long form discussion right now. I feel like it's one of those good intention things, slippery slope too far, or rather the, the, the solutions that need to happen rather like the quality of life in a country where the option to choose made isn't impacted by say your poverty level. Right. I feel like having that dignity to choose it's not a bad thing. I think how Canada right now is, is doing it is wrong. I agree. I agree. And it's, you know, March 17th, apparently it opens up to um, those with mental health disorders and no terminal illnesses. And it definitely needs to like, not it's that's, I, we're not where we're at as a country where, I, I think right now it makes sense terminal illnesses. And again, as I as I said, once we're a country that can support the people in the country, uh, sure, yeah, then open eligibility up for whoever wants it. Like, who cares? But right now it's like people are choosing it over poverty. And that's disgusting that there's no choice. That's not a choice is what I want to say. Poverty or death. That's not a choice. Agreed. And on that note. A light, a light end to our fun episode. I want to thank uh, our listeners for tuning in and listening to us. And, and thank again uh, to Nick for coming on and, and doing this episode with us. I had a lot of, I had a blast. And uh, you never know who's going to pop in next week, maybe. 
we'll see. But guys, remember that February 15th will be the air date for the former candidate roundtable. I'm looking forward to that. And um, uh, we have interviews scheduled with people for the following two weeks after that. Um, but we'll advertise that closer to the date. And uh, if there's nothing else, Phil. I think we're good. So for Phil, uh, thank you guys for tuning in. And uh, we'll see you uh, next week. And this is the municipal. Have you been paying attention to like city stuff? Don't vote, can't bitch. Sorry to, uh, <laughs> to point that finger at you. My answer was that would be yes and no. My tummy hurts, and I'm mad at the government. You're saying council wouldn't approve it, and two, you're robbing them of their their voice. It's it's he's already he's already failed to uh, vote.